That's okay. Glad you're here. I want to get going today. I got a lot to cover, and um, hope that doesn't scare you. If you're visiting with us, um, we are smack dab in the middle of a series called Stronger. Um, it, it is a uh, quite an effort around here. Over the past six months or so, we've been working on this, and we launched it in January. Um, five ways we're, we've committed to getting stronger this year at New Life: um, physically, emotionally, relationally, financially. Um, are the, the ones that we're dealing with kind of first and then relationally. Um, and so we, we spent the first four weeks uh, dealing with the spiritual side of our lives and um, already got some major changes and some major things going on in our lives um, with that. And then now we are jumping into the third week of the physical part of our lives and getting stronger. And as you can see, um, there's a lot less of us around here, um, truthfully. Um, I, I, I saw some of you this morning and thought, man, this is working. You know, we're um, we're, we're making it work, and I uh, really appreciate your dedication to, to getting stronger and to giving God your body um, as well as your spirit. We've got lots of, lots of resources online for you. If you're just kind of kicking the tires on Jesus or you're trying to decide what's true, what's not, um, I want you to know if you're here today and you're not sure you believe all this stuff, you're still in the right place. Um, what we believe is if you keep digging um, for truth, if that's what you're after, you'll find it eventually in Jesus. Um, and so we just want you to be um, ready to hear from God today. And if, as you look through this sermon and as you kind of listen today, um, if you want some more tools to grow a little deeper online, um, you'll see in the bulletin, uh, the, the website for this whole series is called StrongerMe.com. You'll see it up here, www.Stronger-Me.com. Um, and there you can go. It's all free. Um, all kinds of resources, a daily devotion that I've been writing that's exhausting me. Um, and uh, it's something for us to continue to grow through as we go. So lots of people using it, lots of excitement. Um, got also have some uh, what we're calling huddle groups, and it's groups that we're coming together, kind of digging in deeper together with this stuff. Um, Allison starts one this Tuesday night um, at her house. Uh, you've got to sign up. If you haven't signed up for it, it's pretty close to too late for that. Um, but we're going to be launching more of those, so if you missed this one, you can grab another one. But this one's called Breaking Free. It's a series with Beth Moore. Um, that leads it. It's going to be really fun. I'm starting one Tuesday night here, a huddle group um, called Bunch of Quitters. Um, Tuesday night. Both of them are Tuesday. Sorry. Thursday night is junior high, high school here at the church, so we had to do Tuesday night. Sorry about that. Um, but to, so Tuesday nights um, here starts this week, and it's a bunch of quitters, and we're just going to talk about the things in our life that have kind of have, have us as slaves and uh, kind of quitting those things together. So I'm excited about that. Um, lots of other things. You heard Rick talk this morning about uh, Bod for God. Um, that group is already going, but we'll be offering that again as we get going. We've got one more week of the physical part of Stronger, and then we go into the financial part of Stronger. Please don't take those weeks off. Don't hear that word and go, eh, I think I'll take a vacation from church for a few weeks. Um, it's not what you think, but it will change your life if you can give God this part of your life. And so um, my wife, Risha, um, has dug into uh, the finances in our house, and I got to tell you, I, I'm, uh, this is going to be me preaching to me, too, for this series, and, um, but uh, Risha is going to be leading a Dave Ramsey course called Financial Peace um, University, and if you haven't signed up for that, you'll be able to here in the next couple weeks, really excited about that, um, and so as you can see, we're, we are most around here about making our, our faith real, and what God has for, for you in your life is not just to be sitting in a pew today, in fact, the way God intended for church to be was not the way we're doing it today. Now, that doesn't mean what we're doing today is bad, but this is not the picture of church. 
rows, doing church in rows was not the way God intended for church to be. In fact, the, the first people who did church and celebrated Jesus together and kind of did, they did church together and, and followed Jesus, they would laugh at what we're doing. <laughs> I mean, the thought of coming in in rows and staring at somebody as he speaks for a half hour about Jesus would be funny to them. I mean, they, that's really not, and it's not a bad thing. It's become part of our culture and it's a good thing. But if that's all you have of church, you're missing it. You're missing the point because that is not church. That's just the Sunday meeting of the church where we come together, we get a little inspired, we kind of shake hands and we say, hey, great job, John, you're losing weight and great job, you're quit smoking, it's been a week and those kinds of things. And we love each other and we move forward. But true church, real church is done in circles. It always has been. And so we are really trying hard this year to do church more in circles. That's why Allison's having this thing at her house, and we get here on, uh, on Tuesday night this week, and we may still be in rows, sort of, but at least we're in smaller groups of people. And, and um, so we're really trying to do that. And if you feel like you get up in the morning and you just feel like you're missing something in life, and you're not engaged with a group of people who are struggling the way you are to go through life, and they're growing closer to Jesus every day, then that's what you're missing, and you've got opportunities for that. So please don't miss out on that. We've got lots of things um, to cover today, so before we do, I want to do what we do every week, and um, if you're visiting with us, it's just a time for us to, to take, we call it a spiritual deep breath, where we just kind of put our lives on pause and let God speak to us, because what we know is that if you're here today and you've got a bunch of stuff going on in your life, you will miss the still, small voice of God in your life um, if you don't kind of stop and get everything else quiet. So before we do, before we get going this morning, let's pray together and just kind of get quiet so we can uh, hear from God today. God, the quiet feels good. You've told us that you will not compete with the noise in our life. You won't yell over the busyness. And so we choose to quiet everything else so we can hear from you. Even those in the room today, God, that those of us who struggle with our faith, those of us who aren't sure yet about this whole thing, God, would you... Give us the peace today that comes with pursuing you and pursuing the truth. Would you speak truth out of me today, God? Would you make sure anything I've come prepared that isn't what you want, would you just kill it and make sure it doesn't come out of my mouth? And anything you want me to say today, would you fill me up with? So that we can walk away from here, not with just a good idea, not with a cold chill or a fun hour of our life, but God, that we would walk away from here different closer to the hope and the joy and the peace that we all pursue on a daily basis and closer to you in your son's name. Amen. So I want to talk today a little bit about the, the rhythm of life. As we've gone through this physical um, part of, of getting stronger, we've talked about our exercise and diet. Um, you, you've survived my sermons about exercise and diet. Um, I don't know how many of you went to McDonald's afterwards, but... Um, but uh, I know that we're, we're making some big strides there and we're paying attention to what we eat and, and how we're, what we're doing with our bodies and I can see it in a lot of you already. But one of the things I want to talk about as we, as we talk about the physical part of our life is, is what the Bible refers to um, in, in its original language as the rhythm of life. There is a rhythm in our lives that we are intended to, to, to use in order to, to not just survive our lives, but to thrive. Um, a, a rhythm of life that changes the way that we do our life so that we can be in, in kind of in Congress with what God's doing. And I want you to know 
that um, the, the Bible talks a lot about the things that you're going through right now. And I know that sounds weird. I know it sounds hard. It was written thousands of years ago. But we believe the, the, the Word of God is living and breathing. It's changing and it's moving um, on a daily basis with your life. And it's, it's speaking into you. So I want you to hear that today. And I want you to hear this piece of Scripture. Look at this. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Maybe this is right where you're at today. When Jesus, he, he, when Jesus is around a whole group of people, he sees them um, as, as they are. He sees them in their pain. He sees them in their struggles. Um, and I, I don't know what it was like for Jesus. I'm kind of just guessing. But, you know, Jesus was part God. As those of us who are Christians, who are followers of him, believe that part of him was God and part of him was human. And that was part of the whole plan. And when Jesus walked up to somebody, when he got to some, close to somebody, he could kind of see their life for what it was. And I've often thought that was a supernatural thing, but the more I know about ministry and the more I know about loving people and the closer I feel like, I'm still a long way from where I want to be, but the closer I get to feeling like I'm loving what God loves and passionate about what God's passionate, the more I realize this is a a human experience where you can walk up to somebody and you can see it in their eyes, especially if you know them just a little bit. You can see the pain, you can see the mess, you can see the sin. Maybe you don't know exactly what it is, but you know something is broken. And the older I get, and the more passionate I get, and the more, truthfully, the more desperate I get to share the word of Jesus with those people that I love who are going the wrong direction, the more I can begin to see this worn-out look, this exhausted look. And in Matthew, we hear the words of Jesus. I just absolutely love this. Maybe this is great for you today. This is where you're at. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 says, Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Yes, yes, oh yes. <laughs> you know, the word religion is not church, it's not faith. It's, the word religion is a, it's a derogatory word. It's a word that means we make up rules that aren't God's rules, and we hold people to things that aren't God's things, and we judge people in a way that God has not told us to judge people, and we just do things for the sake of doing things, and, and God basically says it's worthless to him. Religion in that context is absolutely worthless. In fact, God says the only religion that is true, the only religion that I will accept as pure is this. You take care of people who can't take care of themselves, and you keep yourself from being polluted by the way that the world thinks about about the world and about themselves. That's what, re- that's what God says he wants us for us to do with our life. Jesus says, you know, if you're burnt out, like I, Jesus was burnt out on religion. He was so tired of running into people who could talk a good game but couldn't live it. He was so tired of running into people who loved to enforce the rules, even made up the rules usually. He was so tired of that in his life. He was burnt out on religion. Jesus says, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced uh, unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. If I had one piece of Scripture, one piece of Scripture that I could take to everywhere I went to share what Jesus is and who he's about, this would be it. Come to me. Are you tired of life? Are you tired of the things? Are you tired of 
the commercials, the television commercials that tell you if you get this or you buy this or you do this, you'll feel better and you'll have what you want in your life. And then you, you go get it and you go take a loan and you go buy the big screen and you go buy the car and you go get the house and you go get the girl that you've always thought was hot and you go ahead and compromise and you go over there and you do this and then you wake up one morning and you go, none of it is what I thought it was. I've seen it in your eyes and I've done it myself. Jesus says, if you're tired of that, if you're tired of that, come to me. This is what you've been looking for. I love this phrase. Jesus, if you're here today and you're, you've kind of been asleep for a second because the preacher's talking, I get that. I totally understand that. But wake up just for a second because I want you to hear this. The life you've always wanted is available. This is it. If you're a Christian here today and you've been doing religion, but you have never come to Jesus like this, you need to be saved. I know a lot of Christians who just flat need to be saved. They're in slavery. They're going to heaven, but they're in slavery in their life. They're slaves to their own life. They're a slave to their own way of thinking. Jesus says, come to me for the unforced rhythms of life and of grace and of the way that you, that, that you were intended to be as humans. This is what I'm hoping comes from stronger. This is where I want to lead you. This is where I want to lead my family. This is where I want my five-year-old to go when it comes to Jesus. Yes, I want him to know the, ser- the Sermon on the Mount. Yes, I want him to hear about Noah's Ark and come home from church with little drawings. And I want him all that stuff. But all that stuff is just, it just helps him get to a point where at one point in his life he can say, I'm going to live my life differently than the rest of the world. It's, it's the intent. And what I'm hoping today is that you see a couple really practical ways and that you write them on your bulletin or that you put them in your head somewhere. Ways that you can start taking this right to your house. Change your life today. And, and here's what I mean by that. There is this unforced rhythm of grace and, and God intends for us to be free from the, the, the slavery that we put ourselves in. You know, the... Um, the, the God's first people, the Israelites, amazing group of people, but not really any different than you and I, truthfully. In fact, some of them were really not very nice people, and they were bad people. But God said, I am choosing you. I just, I'm just going to choose you. And I'm going I'm to get you out of slavery. They were, in, they were slaves in Egypt. I'm going to get you out of slavery. And so they called it, and there's a book in the Bible of this, they called it the Exodus. And the, the idea is that they're exiting a life of slavery. And I want you to know that it's the same thing God wants from you. Some of you are slaves today to, to nicotine. Some of you are slaves today to, to sex, to work, to food. Some of you are slaves today to your kids, <laughs> to your husband, to your wife, to your car, because you've paid so much for it that now you have to work extra hours. You don't even get to drive it except for to work and back. That's how you know you're a slave to your car. And God says today, I want you to know there's an exodus available for you. You don't have to live like this. There, there's two ways that God wants you today to engage in, into, the, into this life. And, and some of you today, I'm going to hurt your feelings. And man, I hate to do that. I just love you and I hate to hurt your feelings. In fact, I hate it so bad that about 10 years ago, I just wouldn't. I just wouldn't preach things that hurt people's feelings because it was just too hard. Now, the older I get in my life, I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just going to say it because you need it, you know? And I'm going to hurt some people's feelings today and I know that and I'm sorry if it hurts your feelings, but I'm not sorry to say it because it comes straight from God. And I want you to know, here's the rhythm of life that God talks about. He says this. He says, I've created you to work and I want you to work. 
to do things with your hands that are productive. Everything, you know, the picture of, of Adam and Eve is that God created them and they worked the land and they did things in the garden and God let them do these things and asked them to do these things and he created work. Look at this, Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. The Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And then look at in chapter 3, verse 17, after they, Adam and Eve had sinned and they, they, they went against God's will to Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate the fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. had to practice saying that. And you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until until you return to the ground. See, the thing is, God created work. I've heard this in my whole life. Well, the problem is, work is is caused by sin. You know, God told Adam that you're going to work hard for everything. The truth is, work came before the sin. Work is part of God's plan. What, what sin caused was that work would be toil and hard. But work was part of God's plan. God wants you to be engaged in work for a few different reasons. And the first one is for just flat for you. If you're here today, and this is where I'm going to hurt some feelings, I, I want you to know I, I'm not, I don't speak politically, um, but sometimes things come out of my mouth that sound political, and this is going to be one of those times. I think welfare is a good thing. I think uh, disability is a good thing. I think if Jesus were here today, if God, if, as God looks down, I think he is honored by a group of people who help those who are hurting. But just like all good things, there are many people taking advantage of those things for themselves. And guess who's hurt the worst? It's those who aren't working but can. It's killing you. God wants you to know today that he created you to, to work, to to move your hands, to do things. The picture of Adam and Eve and and the picture the older I get in my life is that everywhere you go, things should change for the better. They should get better. It's almost like that everything is dark and and as you walk through it, everything becomes green and lush again. God intends for everywhere you go to be different because of your hands and because of the things He's gifted you with. If you're here today and you're retired, find something to do that is productive or you are missing out on the rhythm of life. If you're here today and you're on welfare because you've lost a job, or you're here today and you're on unemployment because you're... Go find something. Not for me because I'm paying into it. That's not what I'm asking you to do today. For you. For your wife and for your kids and for you. For your husband and for your family. For you. Find something to do with your hands. If you're missing it today, there are many of us in this place, and I love you, but I'm going to say it, there are many of us in this place today who are looking for ways out of work. That's what we've done with our life. How can I get away with, pay, with, with the least amount of work in my life? I want you to know that not only is that destructive, not only will it bring a government down, not only will that mess up a community, it will screw your life up to a point where it is almost unreparable, you, where you almost can't fix it again. If you're here today and you have spent your life trying to get out of work, I want you to know you are missing out on part of the rhythm of life. No wonder. It's not a lack of money that's causing a lack of peace in your life. It's you not engaging in the rhythm of life. Work is for you. Look at this. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, Paul says this, For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule, the one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. We hear that some among you are idle and disruptive. They are not busy, but they are busy bodies. Such people command and urge 
in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the food they eat. And as for you, brothers and sisters, never tire of doing what is good. He says to the same group of people, these groups of, this, this group of people must have been some pretty lazy people just trying to get through things. Here's what he says, Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do more and more and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands just as we told you so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. Now, I don't want you to feel guilty today if you're unable to go out into the workforce and make money on a regular basis. That's between you and God. I don't know. Some of, some of us are and some of us aren't, and only you and God know whether you really are. But I want you to know this. You need something. You need something to be productive. God has created your hands. I don't care how old you are today. I don't care how young you are. I don't care how disabled you are. I don't know any of those things for real. But I know this, that if you aren't, things aren't different in your life because you were there, you are missing out on the rhythms of life and on part of the way that God intends for your life to be done. As we go through this Stronger series, what I'm hoping is that, yeah, we see some people losing some weight and getting in shape. We see the food change. <laughs> I'm hoping that there's a culture of food that changes around here. That we have a whole lot less grease and a whole lot less sugar and a whole lot more real things that God intended for us to put in our body. I'm hoping that happens around here. But just as important as those things happening is the way we work changing. I'm going to be real honest with you. We have a reputation in our area for being a culture who doesn't like to work. Now, that doesn't go for everybody, and that's not fair. But the truth is, there are a lot of people in our community and a lot of people in this place who grew up trying to get out of work. And I want you to know, it mostly hurts you. And God wants it to be a daily part of your life to find something productive to do. I remember when I was a kid, my dad, man, my dad worked three jobs so that my mom could stay home with us and go to college and get a degree. And Man, my dad, whew, hard-working dude. And I'll tell you, on a Saturday or any day, especially in the summer when we were off of school, if my dad heard the words come out of my mouth or my brother's house, man, I'm bored. <laughs> I learned real quick not to say those words because in a heartbeat, I had a rake in my hand. <laughs> In just a moment, I had a shovel or something hard in my hand to do. Because in my dad's mind, bored means you're missing something. Bored means your hands aren't doing something they're supposed to be doing. And I want you to know, many of you are bored in this place. Maybe you're retired and the money's coming in, and maybe you feel like you put in your dues. Maybe you're injured, and you feel like the world owes you something, or God owes you something. But I want you to know, you're the one missing out. Don't be bored. Don't be idle. Find something. And just like my dad, if I hear it, I'm going to put you to work around here. If, if I hear it around here that, man, I'm just, I'm, I just can't find anything to do, guess who's going to be in this place on Thursday night for our junior high, high school stuff? <laughs> the mall needs you desperately, I'm telling you. And if you don't engage in it, you are missing out on the rhythm of life. I remember when I was learning to dance, I wasn't going to tell this story, but I'm going to anyway. Remember when I was learning to dance, Risha would say I never did, actually. <laughs> but when I was learning to dance, you know, it was before the eighth grade, um, and I, I'm not going to put, I'm not going to show you my skills right now, because I don't want to make anybody feel bad, but, but um, when I was learning to dance, it, Michael Jackson was big, and I had the white glove, you know, and I was, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. And I wanted to go to the eighth grade dance, and I had a buddy who helped me, and 
And, I, you know, it was one of those things where I was like, I, I can't go. I had this girl, you know, that I wanted to impress, and I wanted to do a little moonwalking. Yeah, yeah. And I wanted to do a little, ow, you know. And, and we were all, you know, we had this whole little thing, and, I, and my buddies and I got together, and we were going to do this little Michael Jackson thing. We were going to laugh and make fun of it, you know. But in the long run, we were hoping the girls would go, man, they got skills. You know, that's kind of the whole idea. And I got together with my buddies. I'll never forget this. And, man, we tried, and they wanted me to be a part. And finally, Adam came to me, and he's like, you know, John, here's the thing. one side of your body just doesn't work right. Like, I don't know, but you got one side of your body that just doesn't go with the other side. I mean, like, if if I could just cut off one side of your body, you're all right over here, but this side just doesn't go right. It doesn't work right. I'm like, I know, I know. So I went to the dance, and I watched them do the Michael Jackson thing, and the girls went, oh, you know. and and, And I still remember that. I don't dance now. I try not to. I mean, my kids like me too, but. But I, part of my body just doesn't work. Like, I, my left side of my body, just, it, it just won't do what I ask it to do. And I want you to know, I tell you that story and embarrass myself thoroughly, to tell you this, that that's absolutely you. If you like to rest and you don't like to work, you're going through life dancing like me, and don't do that. You're, half your body doesn't work. Half your life is broken. Half of what God intended for you to be isn't engaged. It doesn't matter how old you are, how disabled you are, how, any part of life, if you're not, things aren't different around you because you were there, you are missing out. And you're a bad dancer at life. You need to engage in it. Okay, next slide. Workers for you. Rhythm of life comes when you work and accomplish things, whether you're paid or not. Work is absolutely for you. Work is for others. It's, it's for other people. It's for your family. First Timothy says this, give proper recognition to those widows who are, ready, who are already in need. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn first of all to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents for this, this is pleasing to God. Look at this, verse 8. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Anybody going to write that one down and take it home today? Yeah, you'll write the, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, to prosper you and not to, yeah, you want that on your wall, but not very many of us want this. Because we want to say, yeah, but my mom is meh. And but my sister is blah. But yeah, but you don't know what they've done to me. Write this one down. Your work is to take care of others. Your work is, to, is for those who aren't able. Anyone who has been stealing... This is crazy. Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer. The people that listened to that would have said to Paul, what do you mean stealing? I don't steal things. And he says, yes, you do. Yes, you do. When you willingly and knowingly accept on an ongoing basis things that you could be doing for yourself and for others, you're stealing. I didn't say it. Go to God if you're mad. It's right there. But you must work. Do something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. It will change who you are. You're dancing with half your body if you're not living like this. Work is for you. Work is for others. Work is for God. I love this piece of Scripture. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for humans. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Whatever you do, whatever you do is working for God. 
So part of our body, part of our life, part of the rhythm of life is work. And if you're missing out on it, I've made you feel bad enough today, okay? You and God can work that thing out. Write that down. Part of my life, part of the rhythm of my life is to find something to do. Come see me and I'll put a shovel in your hand if you don't have something. The second part is rest. And this is where you go, now we're talking. But you know this is hard too to do it God's way. So I, I want to paint you a picture of this command. Here's what God says. He's, he's got this whole group of people, the Israelites, and he said, I want to get you out of slavery, exodus, out of your life. And these people are like, why would you do that? God, God says, because you're mine. And he gets them and he, he perf- performs these miracles and the Red Sea opens up. Even if you're not a believer, if you haven't, you're getting kind of kicking tires on things. You know the story. Moses opens the Red Sea. We believe that really happened. There's history that shows where it might have happened exactly. The Red Sea opens up. God's people go across on it and they're like, okay, this is real. <laughs> you know, this is, this is actually real. God does love us for some reason. We didn't earn it. Then they go to this mountain and God gives them what we call the Ten Commandments, okay? It's the top ten things that God says, this is the way I want you to live your life. Now, I want you to be very careful of this because the way we normally talk to our kids about this is like it's God saying, if you obey these ten rules, you are my people. But that isn't the air of this. God did not create the Ten Commandments. He did not create the top ten things for us to do in, as a condition of our relationship with Him, but as a proof that we already have a relationship with Him. He did this for the Israelites. He didn't say, you take these ten things and if you keep them, then you'll be my people. He said, because you are my people, I want to give you these things, these parameters for your life that will change who you live and lead you to the kind of people that you want to be and the kind of people I want you to be. I, I, I love to talk about this. I'm sure you guys are tired of hearing about it, but that's who I am. I think God has put kids in our lives as parents. One of the reasons he's done that is for us to understand how he thinks and feels in a lot of ways as a parent, as our father. And when I think about my son, I think this is a perfect situation. When I think about my kids, you see, here's the thing. I don't have rules for your kids. Now, aren't you glad? In fact, it would really annoy you. If, I, if I, you found out that I've been yelling at your kids about a rule that I made up in my house. And I really don't really appreciate you having rules for my kids. Now, if I have rules for my kids and you're enforcing them, go right on. But I don't really appreciate you having rules for my kids and I won't have rules for your kids. I have rules for my own kids. That's what God's doing with the Israelites. They're not, it's, if Reese doesn't obey my rules, it's not like he's out. It's, it, Reese, the rules I have in my life aren't a condition of my relationship with my son. They are proof that I have a relationship with my son and I am desperately seeking him to go the right direction. One of the coolest things about parenting, you've felt this, is when the kids get the spirit of the rules instead of just the law, the letter of the law. This happened to me this this past week. We have a rule in our house. It's not a biblical rule. It's not necessarily even a good rule. And I'd like to change it at some point because it affects me negatively too. But the rule, Risha's rule, and I, you know, I honor my wife. She, her, her rule is no sweets on Mondays. In fact, we have a word for it. It's no sweets Mondays. It's real creative. We don't eat sweets on Mondays at all in our house. Okay. And we thought this would be a good thing for us to kind of teach the kids that you don't need this. We don't want to become addicted to sugar in our lives. And so we do no sweets on Mondays at all, you know, unless I forget, which sometimes I do. <laughs> but you know who doesn't forget? My kids don't forget. Last week, they had a birthday party at school, and they, they had sweets on Monday. They had the, uh, one of the little boys' mom brought in cupcakes. You know how moms bring in cupcakes on the birthdays. And Cupcakes started being passed around, but it was Monday. And Reese 
without me there, without Risha there, his teacher didn't know about No Sweet Monday. Reese got a big, fat, juicy cupcake sitting right in front of him on a Monday. And you know what he did? He told his teacher, it's Monday, I can't have sweets. <laughs> when Risha came to pick him up, his teacher said, you won't believe what your son did. And so I saved the cupcake, and he'll get to have it on Tuesday. And then I packed him cookies, too, on Tuesday. So we had cookies and a cupcake at school on Tuesday. But here's the thing. There, there, it's one thing for your kids to obey you because you say, it's no sweets. You can't have that. It's another thing. When they do it themselves, they go, you know what? This is the best way to live. It's what God wants from you. It's what the Ten Commandments are. It's, it's not looking down going, uh-oh, I've got to check that one off. And, oh, I did that one, and you didn't do that one. It's, it's God going, this is the path. You want a path? Dr. Phil doesn't know. He can help, but he doesn't have the path. You want the answer to the hope and joy and peace you've been looking for? Oprah doesn't know. But God does. Here's the path to what you've been looking for. So stop going other directions. And he says, so he starts this list, and Moses is writing it down. I mean, he's not writing with a, you know, an ink pen he's writing with a chisel on a stone and he's writing these things you know and there are things like you shall not kill and everybody's going okay yeah that sounds good you shan't you you can't commit adultery you you can't go sleeping with somebody else that isn't your wife okay that's good that's and god makes has these rules and then finally he says the fourth rule this made the top four the fourth rule was you will rest thou shalt stop this is a command for his Israelites, for his people. Now things, when we move to the New Testament, it's a law that Jesus kind of moved, and, and with the New Covenant, it, it was altered a bit. And there's this feeling now that it's, it's the way to do life, it's, it's, it's the way that, that God intends for you to do life, but it, among Christians, there's this feeling like, oh, man, I, can you imagine taking a whole day off every week? Not doing anything? Boy, that's an old way to live. God goes, Really? Try it. Try it. You know what? I, I, every week, you should know, I'll give you a little insight in this preaching thing. Every week, I have a 15-page, 30-minute term paper due on Sunday every week for this sermon. Can you imagine getting up and writing that? Every, every week, I have to do it. It stresses me out. Every week it stresses my family out, stresses my wife out. And i got to tell you, if I take this day, if I do rest the way God intends for us to rest, which I'm going to go over in just a second, if I do this, it changes not just me, it changes not just you, because the sermon's better when I do this, it changes my family, it changes the way I talk to my neighbors, it changes my dog. Everybody is changed in my life. If I engage in the rhythm of life the way God intends for me. So now, I want you to know, you're going to look at this in a minute and you're going to go, that's a ridiculous way to live your life. John, that's an old way. That's what people did. That's the Israelites. That's the way they lived. You know how the Israelites lived? If they took a day off, they might die. If you take a day off, your boss might get on you a little bit. If you take a day off, you might miss something here or there. If they took a day off from gathering food, they didn't have refrigerators and freezers, and if they took a day off from gathering food, their, their family might die. This is more ridiculous sounding to them than it is to you. This is a ridiculous thing in our culture. But you should try it. Check this out. Here's what God says. Exodus chapter 16. Oh, go back one there. I'm sorry, I didn't read it. Um, he says this, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. 
But the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. Here's what was funny. So here's what they would do. They'd go, all right, but there's work to be done, right? So what I'll do is I'll find people who aren't in my house and I'll, I'll, I'll pay them to do my work. Look what he says. He said, I know what you're thinking. Nor your son or your daughter. Hey, Reese, go mow the yard. Sabbath, I can't do it, <laughs> you know? nor your male or your female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. Ain't nobody going to do your work, okay? But God, who's going to do your work? Who's going to do my work then if you're not? Listen to me. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that was in them, but he rested on the seventh. You don't need rest, but God does? (laughs) Who do you think you are? Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day. And made it holy. So here's what happened. Next slide. God does what He does. He does this in your life too. When He gives you a, a, something to do in your life that will change how it is, He gives you an example of how to do it. It's an amazing thing. Here's what He did to the disciples. Or, uh, the disciples. The Israelites, they're all out in the desert. They're hungry. They're thirsty. They have nothing to eat. There's nothing around. And look at this. Each morning, everyone gathered as much manna as they needed. What happened was, they get up in the morning, and the very first thing, I don't know how it happened the very first time. Somebody must have been really hungry. But they came out of their tent in the morning, and on the desert floor, there was this crispy wafer that covered the ground. And it's somebody, somebody got hungry enough to go out and go, huh, that tastes like Wonder Bread. <laughs> That's good. That's really good. And so they begin to eat it. And Moses said, hey guys, this is called manna. This comes from God. He's going to take care of you. He's going to take care of your needs. So they gathered it. And here's what people did. Same thing you would do. Well, I don't know if it's going to be here tomorrow. So I want to get as much as I can, put it in my freezer, pack it up in little aisles, put the dates on it so I know what it is, and then I'll have it when, just in case God doesn't provide it tomorrow. But here's what happened. This is what God does. He, said, he says this. Once it grew hot, it melted away. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers. Omer is three pounds or so, so it would be about six pounds per person. Okay, That's a lot of bread. Six pounds a person, and the leaders of the community came and reported to Moses. He said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be the day of Sabbath. Uh Uh-oh. What are we going to do? Because it's work to go out and pick this stuff up and to cook it and do these things. Tomorrow's to be the day of Sabbath. Here's here's what he says. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. So whatever is left, and keep it until morning. So that's what they would do. They would, they would collect more the day before the Sabbath for the second day. But if they collected more on a day where the Sabbath wasn't the next day, it would rot. It would completely rot. In fact, you'll read another piece of Scripture. It talks about maggots growing in this stuff. It, it usually takes a long time for maggots to grow, but God said, no, one day. If you let this stuff sit, one day it'll grow because he wants you to know that he's going to provide for you every single day. That's the point of the Sabbath, that God is in charge. It's not your work. It's God's work. And by the way, your arms and legs move because God wants them to. You have work today because God wants you to. He's in charge. So here's what I'm going to challenge you to do. This is the Sabbath day. This is the Sabbath challenge right here. I want you to think about and talk about it on the way home today to pick 24-hour period, any 24-hour period. Any 24-hour period, and I want you to try this for 30 days. It will take you 30 days just to figure this out. <laughs> try it, 24-hour period of no work. Now, that doesn't mean you're not going to go out and maybe clean the backseat out of the car so you can get the kids in. I'm not talking about that. I mean, step away from your job, step away from the lawn, step away from the work. And in that 24-hour period, give it to God. Here's what happened to me. I began to 
think to panic because I own my own business and I preach and I do other things too. And I got all this stuff going on. I begin to go on. There is no way I can get done in six days what most people get done in seven. My business will go under if I only work six days because all the rest of the business owners are working seven days. God, I can't get done in six what, I, what everybody else gets done in seven. And God goes, you're right. I'll take care of it. So here's what I pray. And I've got to be real honest with you. It doesn't happen very often. I have to be honest because my wife's sitting in here. I've been working on this, and she knows this. I'm trying really hard to get a 24-hour period during my week. And when I do, it changes who I am. And what I can do is when I, when I get up in the morning in that 24-hour period, I pray this. God, help get all the work done. Give me seven days of work for six days. You take care of the extra day. And I've got to tell you, it has... It, if I can get this done in a week, it changes everything. Ask Risha, ask my kids, ask my dog. It changes my attitude, it changes the air in my house. It's like dancing with both sides of your body. I hear, I don't know how that actually feels. <laughs> it's like doing life with rhythm. Today, choose the Sabbath because it brings you faith. What happens is when you see this happen, you'll go, my gosh, God is right. And if God is right about this, what else must he be right about? It changes your faith. It's what it's intended to do. When you choose God's way, it gives you perspective. It gives you breathing room. Some of you have so many kids and so many things, you don't have any breathing room in your life. And when you get a snow day, it's like the whole world has been put on pause and it changes your whole life. Now, if you get too many of them in a row, you want to send the kids back, you know. God wants you to know that he's intended for you to have breathing room in your life. He wants you to thrive instead of survive. And he's got the plan. He doesn't want you to be slaves anymore. Look at this, Exodus. One more, I'm sorry, one more. Exodus chapter 16, verse 6 says this, Moses and Aaron told the people of Israel, this evening you will know that it is God who brought you out of Egypt, and in the morning you will see the glory of God. If you have never felt the presence of God in your life, just try this. Just try this. Go back one slide there, sorry. Try this. Six days of rest and one, or six days of work and one day of rest for 30 days. Here's, here's a couple parameters, okay? Work hard and be productive for six days. You've got to work hard. You've got to give everything you have for those six days. And maybe it's five days and then you've got a day of working in the yard and whatever, but you work hard for six days and then pick any 24 hour period and stop. When you feel the rhythm of life the way God intends, pray, God, it is you that I trust. And pray, God, let me get done in six days what I would normally get done in seven. And when you engage in this, it will change the way you live your life. It'll change the way that you feel about the things in your life. I'm going to ask the band to come up for a second. I've got a song that I asked them to do today. If you're visiting with us, you're going to go, well, that doesn't sound like a church song, and it's not. That's okay, we're going to make it one. Um, next slide there. Uh, one more, sorry. Today, I, I want you to engage in the rhythm of life. I want you to work harder, rest fully and completely, uh, rinse and repeat. You know, this is what you do with a b bottle of shampoo. It says rinse and repeat on it. You've got to do it every day. You've got to do this. You've got to be faithful with this every day. I want you to take the rhythm of life challenge today to work hard, to find something to do with your hands. And I want you to find a way to rest for a 24-hour period and to not be a slave to your life. And this is how it looks. When you do this on a regular basis, I was talking to my grandmother about this, who is just an amazing woman, 80 years old and the more energy than I have. 
And she said, there's this moment in your life where you work really hard, you give everything you have, you know you've given everything you have, you take a deep breath and you rest and you stop, and when you can do that, and many of you have never been to this place in your life, and I've only been there a couple times in my life, and I'm not there right now. You work really, really hard, you take a break, you feel the presence of God in your life, and you go, you know what? Let it be. Whatever comes, let it be. Whatever comes in my life, I can handle. Because it's not me. God's in charge of it. He's going to reclaim it. He's going to take it. So I'm going to work my tail end off with everything I have. I'm going to, things are going to be different around my life because I'm here. Whether I have a job that pays me or not, whether I've worked my whole life and I'm retired, whatever it is, things are going to be different around me because of my hands. I'm going to do that for six days and then I'm going to stop and I'm going to rest and I'm going to remember who's really in charge. And I want you to know what happens when you do that. Is the rhythm of life provides what you've been missing. The peace that passes all understanding. You've seen it in the person who's going through something stupid, something ridiculous, something that makes your faith shake, makes you think there isn't a God because how could there be a God if people who are innocent have to deal with stuff like that and then you look at them and they're worshiping? It's ridiculous. And they can just look at life and go, let it be. Let God do His thing. Let good times come. Let bad times come. Just let it be because I understand the rhythm of life. Some of you have completely lost it, and I want to—I want you to get it back today. They're singing behind me. It's cool, isn't it? They've been waiting for you this week. They've been ready for you, and God has been ready for you to say to Him, "I want the rhythm of life, God. Let whatever comes in my life come. I want the rhythm of life." So here's what we're going to do: we're going to sing this song that Paul McCartney wrote. Weird, isn't it? By the way, most of the hymns that you think are religious were written by drunk people in bars. So Paul McCartney is okay, right? Here's the thing. We, we take songs and we claim them for God. That's what we do. It's not the people that we worship. It's God. This is a song written by Paul McCartney years ago called Let It Be. And the air of it is there are things in my life I just can't control. There's so many things in my life that I absolutely can't control. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do everything I can do. I'm going to do what God asked me to do. I'm going to engage in the rhythm of life, and then I'm going to say, let it be. When you can do that, maybe you'll do that right now. Maybe you won't. But when you're ready to do that, when you're able to do that, it will change who you are. You will stop it in a moment, and you will say, there it is. That's the peace. It wasn't a TV. It wasn't a house. It wasn't a man. It was God all along. And all I had to do was engage in the rhythm of life. I'm going to give you a chance to do it today. Here's what you can do. The Bible says His mercies are new every morning. So no matter how you lived as you came in today, you can stand with me. And that's a cue. Stand with me. Let's stand up right now. I'm going to give you a chance to do this. If you sang this song and you were high in 1970... If you sang this song in a bar in 1984, I want you right now to sing this song like you never have. Sober and clean and thinking. And I want you to say this to God. God, I want your way at all costs. Whatever it costs me, however it looks, however ridiculous it might seem to me right now, show me the way to get to the peace that I have always wanted. I want life the way you intend for me to have it. So right now in my life, let it be. 
Paul McCartney has no idea what this words can mean and what this song can mean today in your heart and your relationship with God. And I want you to sing it just between you and God today. Sing the words, let it be. I'll be right back there in that corner to pray with you and to help you through this, but I'm going to give you a chance just between you and God today to worship, to get right with Him and say, God, I want life the way you intend. Let it be. Would you sing with us? Let it be. In times of trouble, who my Jesus comes to me, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. My hour of darkness, he is standing right in front of me, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. Sing it to me, let it be. Wake up to the sound of music, oh my 